It's the new year and a new season of the Homeschool Conversations podcast. Welcome, friends, to season five. Today, we're doing something totally different, and I have to tell you, I'm a little nervous. To kick off season five, we are doing a little Ask Me Anything listener questions episode. These are questions y'all emailed or sent via social media. And to help me out and make sure I'm being real with you guys, I have my daughter, Emma, here on the mic with me. Hi, Emma. Hi. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. It's the new year and a new season of the Homeschool Conversations podcast. Welcome, friends, to season five. I've already recorded some amazing conversations, and I can't wait to share them with you all. Be sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcast player, and hey, while you're there, would you take a minute to leave a rating and review or maybe share a favorite podcast episode with a friend? I'd love to encourage even more homeschooling families in 2022, and your support and encouragement makes that possible. Today, we're doing something totally different, and I have to tell you, I'm a little nervous. To kick off season five, we are doing a little Ask Me Anything listener questions episode. These are questions y'all emailed or sent via social media. And to help me out and make sure I'm being real with you guys, I have my daughter, Emma, here on the mic with me. Hi, Emma. Hi. Now, Emma and I actually did a personal mini podcast series on our own little podcast last year, and it was hysterically fun. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. It's called the Tea and Coffee Podcast, if you want to go search for that. We discussed one of our favorite books, some of our favorite poems, and several of our favorite beverages. But for those who are new around here, Emma, can you introduce yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Emma. I am a homeschool high schooler that loves baking and music and friends and all sorts of that fun stuff. Yeah, I kind of like you. You're fun to have around. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so glad. I, I was nervous about this episode and I feel a little awkward since it's normally an interview podcast. And so I just really needed you here for moral support. <laughs> so Emma's going to be reading some of the questions that came in and then I'll answer them and then Emma can correct me if I say anything wrong. Got it. All right, Emma, can you give us the first listener question? Okay, so the first listener question, this should be an awkward one. What are your thoughts on dating? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, let's just start with the most awkward question of all. Get out of the way. I thought that that was exactly my thought. Let's just get this one out of the way. So I would first just say, actually, when it comes to questions about dating, high school, college, really anything that has to do with teens and young adults... I don't like to really give much of an opinion online for the very simple reason that my oldest is currently 16. And so it would kind of be like me giving advice about, you know, homeschooling middle school if all I had was preschoolers. I know that in my experience being a mom over the past 
16 years, I've learned so much. I've been humbled so much. So many of my assumptions and plans I've changed my opinion on over the time. So yeah, I guess my first thing would just be like, I don't really have an answer for this question, even though I know I did say ask me anything. But being myself, I do have lots of opinions. So having said that, to begin with, (laughs) I would kind of like to flip the conversation a little bit. This actually is a conversation, as you can imagine, that comes up in real life with friends and uh, other acquaintances quite often. And I think, especially as a second-generation homeschooler who definitely grew up in a time when terms like dating and courting were all very loaded topics and vocabulary words and uh, polarizing topics, I think that I would just encourage my own family, as well as other families, to not let the word define what you're doing, that uh, issues of the heart can be found uh, no matter what word you use to describe the way you are pursuing relationships. So uh, that would be something I would just encourage from my own personal experience uh, growing up in the homeschool community about that topic. And I think that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Come back to me in 10 years when I maybe have a married child and, and maybe I'll have something to say to you then. Okay. Um, the next listener question is, I want to hear the story of how you and your husband met and fell in love. Okay, well, so I put this one right with the question about dating because I really think that this story is a perfect example of how there is not a one-size-fits-all model for getting to know someone, for meeting someone, for falling in love and getting married and having a wonderful Christian marriage. So my own story, just to be clear, is not neither normative nor prescriptive. It is just my story. So uh, I do like to give that caveat. So my husband and I met, lo, these many years ago (laughs) (laughs) at church. I was about to leave the following day to go to college out of state, and he had moved into the area for grad school. And uh, I will, I could tell the long version, but we don't have time. So the short version is while I was out of state, he was getting to know my friends and family. Uh, He was getting (laughs) updates every week at Bible study as my mother would share prayer requests. (laughs) I mean, not him personally, but apparently the whole Bible study was. So um, yeah, that was, that was interesting. But suffice it to say that he began emailing me. I'll just tell this funny story. I remember I didn't really know him because I wasn't living at home at the time. And uh, I get an email and run down the hallway to my friend's room. And it was like, I think he either wants to rebuke me or marry me. (laughs) So that was sort of the way things started. Uh, Over the course of the following summer, we got to know each other in person And I began to think that maybe this was someone that I would be interested in pursuing a relationship with. And so I decided, as one does, to send an email to my dad, just telling him how, like, I really felt like (laughs) Emma's face is buried in her hands. She's so embarrassed for me. It is the most, like, cringeworthy story, (laughs) but in the best way. But also, the secondhand embarrassment is 
a lot. <laughs> I know. I think your cheeks are actually getting red. She's actually turning red just thinking about it. Oh, my goodness. This is so funny. This is my favorite part of the entire story. <laughs> okay. So I was going to send an email to my dad, and I was, like, wanting to express my, like, just angst and feelings of great emotion. <laughs> and so I just sent this email, I thought, to my As father. And all I said in it, I didn't say, like, there was no greeting. There was no, like, anything. It was just, like, the only thing scarier than the thought of never marrying anyone is the thought of actually marrying someone. And I sent it to my dad. As and, thought. <laughs> and went to bed full of angst and emotion. It's only a teenager can have. Well... <laughs> Um, I ended up getting an email back, or I got an email from John a few hours later, and it just said something like, you know, I'm sorry for offending you. You'll never hear from me again, or something like that. And I was like, this is very weird. I do not understand why is he sending me this email. Oh, he's so adorable, but also I'm confused and a little bit nervous. Like, I was just weirded out. And it wasn't until I had ruminated on this very odd email for a while that I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. I went and checked my sent file. And yes, indeed, I had sent this email to John, not to my dad. (laughs) So I went to uh, pick up a friend from the airport that night with my dad. I was like in tears sobbing. We hadn't seen each other in a while. She was crying. She had also lost her voice, so she couldn't talk at all. So we would have to, like, write back and forth to each other on a tablet to communicate. And so the next day was Sunday. That night, Saturday night, I I typed probably, like, a three-page letter. As you are one to do. Because that's just how I roll. (laughs) (laughs) I typed, like, a three-page letter and um, handed it to John at church the next morning before worship. And... He was preparing himself for worship, as he does on Sunday mornings, and so he took that letter and stuck it under the chair and didn't look at it, and he gave me a very, well, there's just a look that he has. We occasionally still see it. Yep. <laughs> it's the Sloan look, and it's it's quite painful to be the recipient of. Well, I left brokenhearted that morning. This has become known in our family lore as... The day of infamy. <laughs> Very dramatic. Very dramatic. Well, so remember my friend couldn't speak at the time. She had lost her voice. So we're like all emotional in the backseat of the car. And uh, she writes down for me. She says, his name is John. <laughs> Okay, which is very, like, Christian nerd humor, but as everyone knows, the story of Zechariah and John the Baptist when he was born and he writes, his name is John. So anyway, and that... She could, could tell. Yeah, then he could talk. So, I mean, it didn't miraculously heal <laughs> my friend. But it did it did alleviate the tension. But to, to further this day of infamy, I mean, this is the most interesting part of our story, I think. So I'm just going to keep telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had said something in there. I had made it... I was trying to make a literary allusion to the verse in Matthew where it's like before you go to worship, right, before you go to the altar, if there's someone who has something against you, you're supposed to go seek, like, reconciliation first. And so I had, like, made this very clear illusion in my mind in the letter. 
But apparently, I found out later, John thought I was talking about, like, the marriage altar. Oh! (laughs) So it just got more awkward. (laughs) Wow. Okay, but, okay, obviously we did end up married um, in spite of this very dramatic day of infamy. So that night, (laughs) it all worked out at the end. That night, at evening worship, John handed me a little card. And on the card (laughs) was written... Psalm 32.1. <laughs> that was all it said. Y'all's responses to this the situation is very much your personality. It's very uh, funny. Right? I mean, that would basically be the same way Dad and I would deal with the same kind of issue today. I would write a three-page letter, <laughs> and Dad would give me a Bible verse. It, that's why we're such a good team. So not being quite as godly as John, I wasn't immediately sure what this verse Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. So I wasn't immediately sure what this verse meant. I looked it up, of course, immediately before worship started because also I was not not as holy. I was not as holy as as dad. (laughs) And I was not preparing my heart for worship. And I discovered the Psalm 32 1 says, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. And so I assumed I was forgiven. (laughs) But, okay, so funny, that very, very funny, dramatic, I guess, 36, 48 hours of of drama really was sort of the start. That was when we uh, started to more seriously and purposely pursue relationship with one another. I was actually leaving very shortly for another semester away in a different place this time. So the first four months of our official relationship time was a lot of uh, emails back and forth, a lot of phone calls, praying together on the phone, uh, having lots of theology debates. We fell in love over like the Van Til uh, Gordon Clark controversy, not because we agreed with each other, but because we just really appreciated the passion that each of us had for the word of God and theology. And so then we got uh, engaged the following March married the following July and had our first son 10 months later. So it was all a very dramatic story. I did get married when I was 19. John was 24. And yeah, we've been married now for 17 and a half years and have five wonderful children. And he's still tall, dark, and handsome and still makes me Twitter-pated. So It's worked out well. But that is the story of how we met. It was at church. We fell in love over theology and dramatic days of infamy. And uh, it's turned out pretty well. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Moving on to a much less dramatic question. Um, State or private college? Well, see, (laughs) once again, y'all are sending me questions about things we have not yet made decisions on ourselves. Okay, so... Although we are entering that stage. We are entering that stage, and it is... It also is full of drama. <laughs> I, I often write your dad very long emails about it, and he replies with very good, simple scriptural reminders. So, um, yes, with the college question, my personal belief is that it is going to be a different answer for each individual family and each individual child. I do not believe that a private college 
or a Christian college will save your child or will keep them from sin and temptation or will prevent them from being exposed to bad teaching. In fact, it might even be worse to be exposed to um, heresy um, in the name of Christianity than to be exposed to rank paganism if done uh, without being thoughtful and prepared for it. So what I'm encouraging my own children is to have a plan of why they want to go to college, have a way of paying for it without coming out with loads of debt, make sure that there is a solid God-honoring church nearby that they can immediately become members of and join in the life of that church, seek to serve in that church, and also uh, accept the oversight and the, the community and the fellowship of that church. And so I think those three things are a lot more important to me than necessarily the state private differentiation. Would you agree that that's what I've mm-hmm. told you guys? Yep. So we are looking at a lot of options right now. And it will probably be different for each of the kids because they all have different goals and plans and all that good stuff. Yep. I mean, I personally hope they're not so far away I can't drive to see them occasionally. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so our next question is uh, more lengthy than some of the other ones. A very good question. So this person says, I have three children that I am homeschooling and and I work part-time. This is our fourth year homeschooling. It has not been easy, but it is totally worth it. My question is, how can I continue to keep my children engaged in their subjects while homeschooling them? They are older now and I have to be creative as of late. How would you approach this matter? Such a great question. And I think really is a, a struggle that is common to every single homeschool mama and family in various seasons. So first, I would just mention with the working while homeschooling, that can be its own set of challenges, but is totally doable. I know so many amazing families who who do this and pursue this. And a couple of podcast seasons ago, I actually did a little mini series where I interviewed, I believe, four different moms who worked while homeschooling. And so those would be some really excellent episodes to go back and listen to with tips and strategies from veterans who have faced that specific challenge. I would especially recommend the one I did with Jen from Practical by Default. And I will put that link in the show notes for this episode. But moving on to the second part of the question about keeping your children engaged in the subjects while homeschooling them, I think I would approach this answer from two different sides. One is it's okay if your children are not incredibly enthusiastic and excited about every single thing they're learning all the time. I will tell you, in my family, everyone is not always excited about all of their homeschooling all the time. Right, Emma? Yep. And that doesn't, just because it's hard or just because we're not having a party or it's not like a magical enchanted learning moment all the time doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean your kids are doing anything wrong. Sometimes things are just hard. And and frankly, we all have things that we like more than other things. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to have like opinions about that. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not like all the subjects equally. But at the same time, of course, we don't want our homeschooling to be a drudgery or to just be a series of checking off boxes just so we can get to real life. This should be part of our real life. So I think you can do a few things. 
One, seek to get buy-in from the kids. So find out from your children the things that really interest them and see if there are ways you can include those things in their schooling. A few years ago, my son was really into Minecraft, and so for a history project, he actually recreated uh, a battlefield from a uh, a part of history we were studying in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Last year, Emma mentioned earlier she's really into baking, so she did a lot of research on ancient grains and ancient baking of bread mm-hmm. as part of her history. And this year, do you want to say what you're going to be working on for your history project? Yeah, this year I'll be um, making a entire outfit, I guess you could call it, in medieval with medieval uh, techniques and what essentially recreating what a medieval person might have worn in their daily life. And then also, just because I can, I'll also be making what, you know, a, a medieval princess would be wearing because, you know what? Princesses are awesome. <laughs> yes, they are. So you can see like there, there are ways like that. Those are just some a few creative ways, but they didn't require any extra work on my time. They don't require an extra subject. They're just ways of being aware of the things that your child loves and trying to bring that into the subjects you're already studying. Another thing you can do, of course, is to pursue something in particular that's just unique to them that they want to study especially for like a small unit blast. It doesn't have to be something that takes the entire year or is a whole subject. But if you have a child who's just really interested in a particular topic, let them deep dive in that for a month or six weeks and just really explore, you know, maybe ask them to tell you about it. And there you go. You've just had narration. Uh, Maybe they could write a letter to a grandparent and tell them about it or draw a picture of something they're learning. And again, you're incorporating other subjects into their interests. Uh, my friend Colleen Kessler is really good about this kind of thing, and I would point you to the interview I did with her as well. I believe that was last season, and I'll try to put that link in the show notes as well. And then finally, of course, you guys know my absolute favorite thing is to have a morning time routine. I think that this is a way where even on our hard homeschool days where maybe there's some drudgery or kids have to work independently because mom has other projects to work on or somebody's sick or, you know, if you are a mom with littles at home and you have to work with the littles while the older kids are, are doing something independently, to have that time every day where we can come together and build relationships, have a shared culture, have shared inside jokes with the books we've read and the poems we've memorized, that just brings a lot of joy, I think, to our homeschool day. And, um, is one way of keeping the children engaged in the family life because homeschooling really is just sort of part of this bigger family culture thing that we're doing. And so if we can be engaged together and have that relationship time, I think that trickles out and affects the other subjects. I probably have a lot more I could say on that, but this is probably already getting too long. (laughs) All right. So our Last question is one that I'm very excited about. So what has been your favorite read aloud with your kids and how do you structure reading books your older, your oldest may like the best with having younger ones who may not be ready yet? Reading before bedtime separately or rereading when the younger one is ready? What about series? Read alouds and books are a huge part of our family culture and 
Okay, well, I'll start with the first part of this question first, which is what have been some of our favorite read-alouds? We've had some really good ones recently. Yes, we have. Do you want to share any that you have seen? Well, so recently we read The Book of Dragons by what? E. Nesbitt? Uh-huh. E. Yeah. Nesbitt. Um, and that one has been really fun. And I'm like, a lot of these books, they're like, you know, oh, they're just kids' books. But like the great C.S. Lewis said, like, Books are great for all sorts of people. That's not what he said, but you know, <laughs> if if he <laughs> if he thinks that, that old version. people can read fairy tales, then so be it. <laughs> okay, I love Emma's interpretation of C.S. Lewis. <laughs> yeah, so the Book of Dragons was really fun, and so my, the age range we currently have at our home is six to 16. So as you can imagine, it can be tricky to find books that everyone can really be engaged in there. Mm -hmm. But that was one we read in morning time that everybody loved uh, from the six-year-old all the way through the teens and then mom too. I would highly recommend that one. We're also currently reading stories from the Fairy Queen by Mary McLeod, uh, retold by Mary McLeod, and that one we're really enjoying Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Our family actually recently read Animal Farm aloud. My husband read that out loud to us. And I would just use that as sort of an example of a book you'd think, well, you can't read that if you have little kids, like only the older ones are going to be engaged in it. But the way we did it, when, you know, we, we read it pretty short amounts of time at a sitting. Um, but the way we did it actually kept even the little guy engaged. And if you ask him, like, what was Animal Farm about? He's like, you know, the it pig. was about the evil pigs that was, tried to take over. And we're like, yep, that's basically right. So um, don't be discouraged from reading something you think is going to be too hard with your younger kids around. I think a lot of times they pick up more than we realize. And on the flip side, don't be afraid to read something that's quote unquote for young children when the older kids are around because – like Emma was, you know, jokingly saying, something that's worth reading when you're younger is still worth reading when you're older, and um, there's value in that. Uh, any other favorite read-alouds? I think we've read the Chronicles of Narnia a ton over and over. That yeah. one's one that we always come back to. Um, yeah, you can never read that series too many times. Uh, across five Aprils. Mm-hmm. Well, some of this is getting into answering one of the other questions. We we use audiobooks a lot of times in long car rides Mm -hmm. and back when we used to be driving Driving. around more all together now we're not all together in the car very often but when the kids were younger and we were all in the car together more often we would use a lot of audiobooks Mm -hmm. for that kind of read aloud time so we did across five aprils echo escape from mr lemoncello's library Mm -hmm. uh Uh, johnny tremaine johnny tremaine a lot of books that we read during that period were related to whatever it was we were studying history. Not all of them, but a lot of them kind of like, this book is set during this time that we happen to be studying in another in another sphere, if you will. So then we just kind of like brought it to read alouds. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so there are, there are tons of, of great books. And I have a lot of book lists on the blog. You can just go to humilityanddoxology.com and search book lists and you'll find a lot. And I'm always happy to help people find a particular book that would match their family too. Just send me an email 
or tag me on social media. I used to do a book pairings for people. Um, I don't I don't do it as often now, but it always brings me a lot of joy. So don't hesitate to reach out to me and I will try to help you find just the right book for your unique family. But to move on to the other question, which is how do we structure the the books with older and younger kids? Obviously, sometimes you can't read the same books together because of content. Uh, a lot of those kinds of books, I'm not reading aloud to my teens. They're reading them independently, and then we're discussing them. So I'm not, that is I, maybe just the reality of our particular family situation or our age range, but I don't think you have to feel guilty or bad about that as long as you're talking about the books together and checking in with your children. I think that that can still be productive, even if there's content that they're reading that the younger kids aren't ready for yet. And then uh, we actually don't do a whole lot of bedtime reading. Um, so this has been, this is just the way our family operates. I kind of am with the kids all day <laughs> and we're doing a lot of reading and singing and talking. So at night, our bedtime routine is I love you. Give me a hug. Go to bed. <laughs> so we're not doing a lot of bedtime reading. Um, I guess the bedtime or the nighttime consistent thing really is our family devotions where we're reading the Bible together. So that would be that would be the main thing. And then the question about rereading. Yes, mm-hmm. I love rereading and I find it really valuable. So I like, for instance, I think – Uh, The Children's Story Bible by Catherine Voss. I'm on my third reread now. In Morning Time, I read it for the first time, maybe my fourth. I read it for the first time when Joshua and Emma were very little, like four or five maybe. I read it again when Sophia and Grace were little. And now we're reading it again when Isaac is little. And I don't make any excuses for that with the older kids. Like Mm -hmm. they're going to be there and listen and learn. And it's a beautiful thing to share together and for their younger sibling to have that opportunity to have his big brother and big sisters a part of his first experience with a book I think is also special Mm -hmm. and with a lot of books like that we did read like do the audiobooks in the car like with all of us that was kind of the me and my older brother that was like we got that reading and then some a lot of those books or not all of them but some of those books are kind of being brought in that mom will read just to you know the younger three um since and then me and my brother will go off and do you know our other school and they'll kind of read it and so kind of those books that like the older people have gotten their read but then the younger people were either just like not alive or couldn't (laughs) uh weren't couldn't like they were not old enough to you know remember it they're kind of it's being read so and you can, with a really good book, you can't really read it too much. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I think I think that this this listener had um, said I didn't include this in the question, but said like had expressed this concern and maybe they were overthinking it a little bit or worrying about the details too much. And I think that can be something that's really easy to trip us up as homeschool moms, whether we're talking about book lists or reading or how to structure our homeschool day or how to do college and how to do high school. Really, all of these things we've talked about, it can be so easy to try to find just the perfect book list or just the perfect checklist. If we only do things this way, everything's going to be fine in our homeschool and it's going to like make everything perfect. 
And this just gives me the opportunity to kind of close with what we talk about a lot here at Humility and Doxology, which is homeschooling is not your savior. A particular curriculum is not your savior or a system or a book list or finding just the right strategy. Um, We have to rely on the perfect obedience and the beautiful righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when we rest in him for our identity, that gives us the freedom to move forward in grace and faith and hope as we do this really hard thing. What we are doing is really hard, moms. And um, there are days when you may kind of not want to do it that day. But I just encourage us all myself included, to turn to Christ in those moments and to rely on his grace, not our own works for our homeschool adventures. So Emma, do you have any uh, words of wisdom to share before we go? No, don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll come up with some in like half an hour, but (laughs) well, I really appreciate you coming along and doing this with me. It was a lot more fun doing it with you instead of talking to myself in the microphone. Yeah, this was great. Thanks for having me. So if you enjoyed, listeners, dear listeners, (laughs) if you enjoyed this kind of listener question episode, then send me an email, amy at humilityanddoxology.com, or comment on this episode's social media posts. I'm at Humility and Doxology on Instagram and Facebook. And just let me know if you'd like to hear something like this again, Or if you'd like to hear from Emma again, (laughs) I'm going to put her on the spot. (laughs) Okay, so before we go to let me just uh, give you some reminders about this upcoming season of the podcast. You can expect a new episode to drop every other Monday in your podcast feed. And because I just can't help myself, there are a couple bonus episodes that also may be coming your way. So make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss those bonus funds. And if you would take a minute to rate and review or share this podcast on social media or even just tell a friend about homeschool conversations, I would be so grateful. And I look forward to getting to know new listeners this upcoming year. You can also sign up for my email list, and then you'll get a weekly poem and other encouragement delivered straight to your inbox each Monday. And if you're new around here, and this was the first episode you listened to, um, they're not normally quite so informal (laughs) and and a little bit crazy. Normally, I'm interviewing other homeschool moms, dads, and educators on a variety of topics. And so I'm going to leave five blog posts and podcast episodes in the show notes for this episode so you can kind of get to know what we're all about here at Humility and Doxology. And be sure you guys click through the episode description in your podcast player and check those out. So I will see you guys in your earbuds in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool dash conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. 
Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.